Hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving as it's episode 193 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. We'll let you know who won state titles in football in Ohio and Indiana with three games left in the Hoosier State. Plus updates on football playoffs in Kentucky, an injury to a star Bengals player, high school news in Ohio, and more. Hope you load up on turkey. There's no turkey here. Just good local sports updates on the local Sunday Sports Podcast, episode 193. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is a weekly audio podcast that covers all sports in Dayton and Cincinnati, Ohio, and covers areas from Norfolk, Kentucky, and the Ohio River up to Lima and Allen County. From Richmond, Indiana and the surrounding Whitewater Valley region to Madison County and surrounding areas. If you want local sports, this is your source. To find your favorite way of listening to this podcast, as well as visiting the Tee Public and Redbubble shops and find the latest episodes, please visit sindaypod.com. This opening theme was created with the Splash app. It's time for another episode with your host, Lee W. Mowen. And welcome back to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, your second episode on the week. As you might remember, episode 192, we had Tony Peters, Seth Kime, great gentlemen that cover a lot of high school basketball in the area. Always like teaming up with them. This time it was remotely for the first time in what about five times i think something like that so hopefully tony is a-okay you might remember him saying he had the covid19 virus and hopefully you are okay out there and just a reminder send in your mowens mailbag questions for next episode episode 194 and hopefully we'll have a big giant episode just filled with questions that is my goal So let's talk about local sports, not on Dayton Radio. So I'm going to start with Sunday's game. Not even going to talk about the game. I just, once I found out, this was right after my hockey game. Once I found out Joe Burrow was hurt and wasn't coming back, I just didn't care. I mean, there were several times where I turned off the radio. And heck, last year the Bengals went 2-14, and and I still listened to the entirety of the game when I was in my car anyway. And I just couldn't. I, I was I was that depressed. So yes, Joe Burrow, he got hurt. And uh, apparently it's a very bad injury because the MRI on Joe Burrow's knee reveals tears in his ACL, MCL, as well as other structural issues in his left knee. Yeah. Uh... I looked, I, I've watched that clip as many times as I could. I, I had to stop at some point just because I was, I was literally making myself so depressed that I, I, I just, you know, became numb to it. Uh, I, I've been saying all this time, the O-line needs to be fixed. And, you know, I thought things were turning over a new leaf and the O-line was getting better. But, um, yeah, I... I I uh, I hate this. I hate this so much. 
I mean, yeah, the Bengals are last in the AFC North and probably not making the playoffs again, but not the first team to get eliminated from the playoffs. That'd be the New York Jets. But this injury, I can't remember an injury my days of working sports that I remember and I got just so low about it. Just it, This sucks. This hurts. I mean, to see what's the promising beacon of light, of future, in your organization go down like that? Oh, oh I just... Uh, yeah. Uh, this article is from Sports Illustrated, SI.com. It was written the 23rd, so five days ago, by Jenna West. Apparently, this timeline is saying that Burrow should be ready for the start of 2021 with a recovery time of eight to nine months. Most of the articles I've read, The Inquirer, I think... Um, is that NBC Sports? I don't remember. I, I read a few of them. Uh, they're saying 9 to 12, which, you know, of course, that would put Burrow, you know, towards the latter part of the season. Like I said, I'm not even talking stats. This injury just had me depressed, and it just... Mm. So, basically, I like to talk about the drafting needs for the Bengals. Offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. You gotta get... You gotta protect him. You know, if the Bengals draft anything other than an offensive lineman in the first round, I'm, I'm going to be ticked off. Apparently, it's projected that the Bengals are picking that offensive lineman from Oregon. Oh, I probably should look up his name, not just saying, you know, that guy from Oregon. It's like, yeah, that's correct. But, again, this, this injury just... Mm. I read an article from the Inquirer mentioning that Burrow was, you know, impressing the training staff. You know, can I do this? Can I do that type of thing? And apparently Burrow was still asking about the game after he left. You know, after he got carted off once he saw Coach Taylor. You know, at which uh, I probably should talk about the drama in the locker room. There's one side saying, oh, there's turmoil. And then Coach Taylor says, no, it's not. And then Gio Bernard adds, and no, there's not. So, yeah, fun. Uh, I I think some coaching changes have to be made. I I I I don't know. I don't like being on the bandwagon of firing coaches. I I've never had because you're talking about someone's livelihood there. Although, let's be real, they're making more money than I'll ever see in my lifetime. But at the same time, I don't. Yes, there's times where you need new voices, you need new guidance, but you know you're still you're still getting rid of people. And now you know, I mean, most of the time, coaches lie under the feet or they just retire. Sure, I'll give you that, but you know, what I mean, it just. But I, I'm questioning. I'm questioning. You know, if Coach Taylor is ready for his first gig. So. Going on here, Panay. Thank you, CBS Sports. This is from CBS Sports because it uh, had a nice little pop up in front of the Bengals pick. Penny uh, Sewell, Sewell from Oregon. He's in his junior year, and the Bengals would have the third pick. And the first two picks are projected to be quarterbacks. This is from Ryan Wilson and Chris uh, Trapasso and Josh Edwards. They all have the same picks for the Bengals, and actually same picks for the Jets and the Jaguars. They're 
going quarterback Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson and Justin Fields from that school in Columbus. So I, I wouldn't assume the Jets and the Jaguars would go off that trajectory, especially I feel bad for Sam Darnold. I, I, I thought he would have done well with the Jets, but what a cluster for the uh, green football team in New York. And the Jaguars, well, yeah. <laughs> so it'll be interesting. Maybe those are quarterback. They're saying that the Washington Football Club is projected to get, well, actually two, uh, Ryan and Chris on the same poll say that they're picking Zach Wilson out of BYU. Didn't they already have their quarterback of the future, Dwayne Haskins? All right, he was benched. <laughs> Although Josh thinks that the uh, Washington football team will move up to fourth and draft Zach Wilson. So, yeah, your uh, top five, three of those are quarterbacks. So the Bengals should be okay and hopefully stick with an offensive lineman. I mean, like I mentioned, I thought the O-line was making a turn for the better. But at the same time, Burrow was hit. How many times was he hit? Oh, yeah, a lot. I don't even remember the exact number. It's just, uh, <laughs> like I said, I can't remember a time where an injury got me so down that I just I, I stopped caring about the game. And, of course, it didn't really help that Ryan Finley, you know, which, remember, the Bengals drafted up to get drafted up to get Finley and he, he just looked like a deer in headlights in that in the rest of the game against Washington who won 20-9 and still the Bengals haven't won a road game since 2018 I, I, I tell you I uh... now I know a lot of people were upset about head coach Zach Taylor defending his offensive line with uh, criticism that they should have done more to protect Burrow. Yes, they should have. I mean, yeah, there, there's parts of the O-line that need to be at fault, and that there's a couple Bengals that just need to go. If they're, if you're not pulling on the rope, then see ya. It's been fun, but uh, see ya. Whereas, you know, I still like the addition of Quentin Spain uh, and Adenajay. I think he'll do well in the future, but... I guess, I mean, if you look at it, the offensive line didn't allow a sack in the first half. But remember, Burrow got hurt, and now he's out for the year. And it looks like the Bengals really <laughs> probably won't have a shot at another win. I mean, yeah, I know the New York Jets are struggling too, as it's the entire NFC East. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Mixon got on the injured list, and he'll be out for a few more weeks. Gio Bernard was rumored to be out with a concussion, and then the Bengals like, oh, wait a minute, he's only questionable. He's not out. We still have another day to find that out. But already 203 yards and one touchdown on 22 of 34 passing, and Burr already had 2,688 yards with 13 touchdowns, five picks in his first 10 games. So, yeah. Burrow's the future. I'm glad the Bengals drafted him. I really, really impressed how Burrow handled himself. Yeah, the Bengals have two wins. I, I get that. But at the same time, you know, he's the future. And we got, as Bengals fans, we need to, you know, 
We need to get that Bengals front office saying, hey, we need to protect him. So get a better offensive line out there. And, you know, maybe a couple coaches need to go. So be it. So, yeah, like I said, New York Giants are in town. And uh, Brandon Allen is scheduled to have his fourth start ever in his career. He came off from the practice squad, meaning Finley will back Allen up. We'll see. We'll see. But, again, I'm just not... Uh, <laughs> I'll listen to it because, like I said, Dan Horde and Dave Lapham do amazing jobs. And listening to Dave, I learn more about the sport than I think I ever would just catching it because he's very smart and he explains it, you know, quite well. So, but that one, the game on Sunday, I had trouble keeping the radio on. I was, I was that, I was that sad. So, certainly hope that. Joe Burrow will make a full recovery and come back out there. Uh, there are a few things that people mentioned, you know, about how Carson Palmer had the same thing in that playoff game where Pittsburgh eventually won with John Kitna coming in to back up the Bengals. Um, yeah, I mean, that's true. There's no, there's no definite yes or no. There's some people saying that his career is ruined. I'm not ready to make that claim yet. I certainly hope he recovers because if Burrow can't come back, (laughs) then I, I, I don't know the Bengals will be stuck in Cincinnati. That's all I'm really going to say. So I'd like to read the article. This is also from SI.com. This is on the all Bengals FN page. And this is about Zach Taylor defending his offensive line. Oh, by the way, Burrow entered the game against Washington, tied with Daniel Jones for the most hits taken in his rookie in his first nine games since 2000. 72. That's way too much. Like I said, fix that O-line, protect Burrow. And you know what? Maybe then you'll take on Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and, you know, Cleveland, if this year turns out not to be a fluke. But also I saw someone on Facebook saying, oh, yeah, Bengals are now the worst team. No, no. You had an 0-16 team. We haven't. Get off your high horse. You had one good year out of, uh, oh, how many? Oh, yeah. Since 2000, 1999? Yeah. Talk to me about that. You know what? It's just... I, I, I want the Bengals to have a better offensive line. That's that's pretty much my give and take. I think Burrow will make a full recovery, but that O-line needs to be fixed. And in fact, it needs to be fixed. And if the Bengals draft a wide receiver or a non-blocking tight end, yeah, I, I'm going to have words about it on this podcast. And I, I want to talk about something more positive now. I want to talk about football. I want to talk about the state title games. Uh, because we haven't got to those yet. Uh, some local Cincinnati Dayton sports teams got the coveted banner, and some of the local teams did not. We'll start off with Division One again. I mentioned St. X. Big win. They cruised a 44-3 win over Pickerington Central, which, by the way, St. X was supposed to be the second game of the regular season against Springboro at South Metro, and Brogan McKay, who is the state title-winning quarterback for the Bombers, Gridiron squad. 
he wasn't going to dress, but at the same time, that's still cool that he plays hockey as well. So, it didn't happen, and I'll talk about that later after the state title games. So, let's talk about the the divisions that didn't have a local representative. We'll start off with Division Two. Archbishop Hoban defeats Maslin Washington 35-6. Like I mentioned, all the state title games outside St. X and Pick Centrals. They were moved to Maslin, which is the home of the Washington Tigers. And Hoban didn't have a problem with it. They were like, that's fine. We'll play whoever. And yeah, third straight title in for the Knights of Hoban. And yeah, 35-6. Great program. And someone mentioned that the secret to Hoban's success, their strength and conditioning program, which, you know, you might think, no, it's all about the coaching on the field, but think about it. Football's a tough sport. It wears you down physically, mentally, and you got to be prepared for that. So, again, hats off to Hoban. We'll go to Division 5 next as Kirkland shuts out Ironton 38-0 for the Hornets. That's their third straight title and also their sixth in school history. So, congrats to the Hornets. And I believe that's the last of the non-local school reps so we'll start off with Division 7. And for the first time ever in school history, the new Bremen Cardinals have a state title in football. They shut out John F. Kennedy 31 to nothing. Although, to be fair, oh, I'm not even going to make that joke. But, hey, you know how tough the Cardinals' road was? They beat a great Marion local squad and held them out of the Final Four for the first time since 2011. They took down a great Lima Central Catholic team. And then they shut out John F. Kennedy in their first state title game. Huge. Congrats to the Cardinals. Definitely a big win for New Bremen up there. And the Mac, you know, might have a new name to watch out for. So let's go to Division 3. And St. Francis of Sales in Columbus, they had a 14-point lead after three, but they fell to Chardon 31-28 in two overtimes. So the Stallions can't bring home the title, but still a valiant effort by St. Francis of Sales. We move on to divisions four and six. I hate trying to do the uh, Roman numerals in my head, but there you go. So Van Wert, they pick up their first ever state title win with a 31-28 defeat of Lake Catholic of Mentor. And Division 6, Coldwater wins another title by taking down New Middletown Springfield 38-35. So, yes, I know, Van Wert, Coldwater, and New Bremen are technically in the Northwest District, but you know what? They're technically in the Miami Valley, and that's what this podcast covers. And also, we talk about Lima schools, too, so, you know, that helps. I think the line is, uh, I'm pretty sure it's Auglaise and Shelby County, I think. But I'm not entirely sure on that. But congrats to those local schools bringing home local titles. It's a shame local Dayton Radio didn't mention it. But, hey, there you go. So, yeah, Van Wert and Coldwater pulled down state title wins, and both came on last-second field goals. I forget if it's Van Wert or Coldwater who has a, their field goal maker has a great name. 11-1 went Van Wert and the Cougars. 
with 1,633 people checking in. It is Van Wert McCracken hitting a 25-yard field goal with nine seconds left to win it for Van Wert. Huge win at Paul Brown Tiger Stadium. And we'll also check out Coldwater because they had a last-second play as well. By last second, I mean end of the game, buzzer rings, boom. It's Klingshirn with a 26-yard field goal to win it for the Cavaliers on two plays, two yards that took eight seconds. And that won it for Coldwater. It's, uh, when I talk about who won state titles and they're from the area, that makes me happy. I love seeing the success come to Southwest Ohio. I love seeing local teams succeed. So that's why I talk about it on the podcast a lot. So congrats to all the state title winners. And hey, chins up and congrats for making it to the championship game for the runners up. So that ends Ohio high school football season. Yes, there were some hiccups with COVID. There were some teams that had to cancel games. Uh, Not a lot in the playoffs, luckily, knock on wood. And here's hoping that 2021 we have some return to the normal feel of a high school football season. But I, I, as a broadcaster, I was very lucky that none of my games at Princeton were canceled. And I, I enjoy my time with the Vikings, and hopefully next year I'm back at Princeton because, yeah, he treated us well, and I loved, I love seeing the Vikings do battle. And I think the GMC, I mean, Lakota West, they're on top, but I think if Princeton and the Firebirds battle each other. I think that'll be a great matchup, and I hope to see that next year. So that closes the door on 2020 OHSAA football, and now we talk about 2020 IHSAA football, and this is Indiana, of course. There are three championship games in the books, and the closest local Indiana team will play well in about 20 minutes from this time of recording. So let's talk about who won the Indiana ones. We'll talk briefly about it because, like I said, any of the local Indiana teams we talk about aren't at this point. Class 2A, you have Western Boone winning their third straight. They take down Fort Wayne Bishop Lures 36-35 on a late 38-yard field goal, lifting the Stars to the third consecutive 2A crown. Where Western Boone finishes 11-4, Bishop Lures finishes 8-7. 4A, this is a roller for Ron Kelly, and something I didn't realize, the head coach there in Roddenberg, he was the head coach of Moeller when the Crusaders last won state titles in the gridiron sport. His Ron Kelly squad wins it against Hobart 49-7. Ron Kelly finishes 13-1, Hobart 11-3. And 6A state champs, Center Grove 38, Westfield 14. Perfect season for Center Grove. They finished 14-0. Westfield goes to 12-2. And Benji Welch is the SQ Mental Attitude Award recipient. So congrats to the state title winners and the teams that are the runners-up. We talk about the games happening on this day recording today, Saturday, November 28th. The closest local team is South Adams. The Starfires are making their first ever trip to the state finals. Their first ever game at Lucas Oil Stadium. And they're taking on Covenant Christian, which I guess I was wrong about. We was talking about Covenant Christian uh, with the Southeastern Indiana teams. 
And yeah, both teams are playing their first football championship game. So this will be this will be quite the chess match. And if you can watch or listen to them, I recommend it. Uh, there's there's no links that say it. If you're in Indiana, you get Fox Sports Indiana. It's on there, I bet. But uh, radio links, you know, do a little research on your own. Or if you listen to it afterwards, it doesn't really matter. We'll talk about it, you know, next week. So your 3A crown will go to either the 11-0 Danville squad or the 12-1 Indianapolis Bishop Chatard, which they're looking to chase their record-extending 15th title, Bishop Chatard is, and Danville is playing their first title game since 1999. So it's been a while for Danville. Bishop Chatard's coming in 12-1. and and 5A, the last one in Indiana, will have Zionsville 7-5 and five, taking on Indianapolis Cathedral. You know that team that all the GCL South teams played. I think Indianapolis Cathedral defeated all of them. Indianapolis Cathedral is making their record 16th championship game appearance. And Zionsville is making their 4th championship appearance and the first in 20 years. So all those, Lucas Oil Stadium, like I mentioned, it's really cool, the setup they have. You know, they're playing at the home of the NFL Indianapolis Colts. I still hope that one day OHSAA considers that. Yeah, you might make the argument, you know, Ohio Stadium is close to Central Ohio, like right on the dot. I mean, it's it kind of is. And, you know, that school in Columbus, yeah, history. But at the same time, I don't know. I... I I don't know. I mean, I still want to see, you know, state title games in Cincinnati. That's that's my whole thing. So that is your second-to-last update on Indiana high school football. And next time, it will be the last. How about some Kentucky high school football? Remember, last week they started the playoffs. And what's up from yesterday's games? Well, here's your scores. In Class 1A playoffs, Round 2, it's Newport Catholic rolling across... Ludlow, 45-7. And sticking with 1A, Nicholas County with a shutout win over Brossert, 7-0. We go to 2A as Walton Verona sends Carroll County home with a shutout defeat, 34-0. Bearcats win it. And Beachwood will shut out Lloyd, 38-0. Tigers win it. Onwards to, I think we have a 3A game. Yes, just the one. Fleming County shuts out Pendleton County, 39-0. Onwards to 5A. There's no 4As here. Covington Catholic defeats Highlands, 38-21. And we move to 6A as Dixie Heights gets five better over the Ryle Raiders, 41-36. It's the Colonels winning that one. And that's it. Um... Yes, it's going to be a little weird seeing Kentucky still play football until mid-December. But, hey, they took a week off for COVID. And hopefully it works. And hopefully, you know, we get to talk about some Northern Kentucky schools winning a state title in the Bluegrass State. Technically, it's a commonwealth, but eh, I won't tell if you don't. So, what's next? We talked about Joe Burrow's injury. We talked about the Ohio State Finals. We talked about the Indiana State Finals with three left. We talked about the Kentucky playoffs. And I would like to talk about Ohio high school athletic news. So, COVID, it's still a thing, and Montgomery County is now in level four. Wonderful. 
And I know there's people that are probably upset on my ideals on the coronavirus, you know? Wearing a mask. Ooh, I know. That's so evil on me and everything. Ooh, how inappropriate for me to say you should wear a mask considering that I'm at high risk. And if I get COVID, that's kind of the, that's kind of the end for me because that would fry up my lungs quicker than well, something you can... Uh, Something you can say pretty quick. So, I mentioned fall sports went pretty well, but remember in winter sports, nothing's outside because, oh, I don't know, it's cold outside. So everything's indoors. Now, the the uh, governor, I was about to say OHSAA, but uh, talk about that in a minute. The governor said, until January, no fans at high school games. Which... That drew a lot of irk and ire, which I kind of get. I mean, you know, parents were already told, yeah, you can come out. But the OHSAA got confirmation. Yes, it's parents. It's more like people that don't have any direct relatives on the teams. Um, I, I don't necessarily fault that, just because, again, Montgomery County is now at a level four. Franklin County is still at a level four. There's some northeastern counties in Ohio that are level four. Level four, there's nothing worse. You're at DEFCON 5, which means, yeah, the virus is pretty much everywhere. Abandon ye hope or something like that. No, yeah, it's bad. Cincinnati and Hamilton County aren't, though. Although I think they're at a star. Is there an easy way to check this? Let's find out together. So, while I'm researching this, I will tell you that the Centerville Elks and Rob Demmond, a great guy, great athletic director, I always like talking to him during hockey season, the Elks have made the decision to pause sports for two weeks. I saw one Facebook comment that was angry about that, but you know what? I don't hate it, and I'll tell you why. Remember, there's a lot of people at risk. You need a staff to help run games. You need you need people. And until this vi- until we get a curve and head downwards, you know, I don't hate it. Of course it stinks that, you know, there's no sports. Tell me something I don't know. But when you have several counties that have a star on them, which I have now. This is from November 25th. So your counties, Cuyahoga is not it. So I apologize for my remark. I Actually, I don't think I said Cleveland. I said Northeast Ohio. Lorraine and Lake Counties, which are southwest, northeast of Cleveland. Cuyahoga is the home of Cleveland, Ohio. They're at a level four. And Cuyahoga is apparently not approaching a level four, which that surprised me just because how big Cleveland is. So... Hats off up there. Although there are several counties surrounding Cleveland that have a star. And uh, a star is not a good thing on this map. Again, level four is a public emergency where severe exposure and spread are occurring. Franklin's still at level four. Montgomery's at a level four now. Warren has a star approaching level four. Hamilton, Claremont, and Adams counties have a level four. Warren, Hamilton, and Claremont are in the Cincinnati metro area and also in the Miami Valley for Warren County. That's not good. Also, Wood County, which 
is uh, Bowling Green, I believe. They're approaching a level 4 as well. And really, your level 2s are stuck in southeastern Ohio and, what's that, Wyandotte County? In technically central Ohio, although it's northern Ohio, really? And it looks like all 88 counties have high incidence of COVID. I'm not getting into the stats. You can listen to the news. You can do your own research on that. What I'm talking about is how it affects sports because this is a sports podcast. So, you know what? Hats off. Hats off to Centerville for taking a break, trying to get you know their side controlled. Will it matter in the end? I certainly hope it will. I mean, I think all the schools in Montgomery County have now shifted to online schooling, which affects me because, you know, I'm a stepdad of two girls, and they were both looking to go back to school, meet up with their friends, and that's not happening, and the oldest is taking it a bit hard, and I I feel sad because there's nothing I can do for my older stepkid. But anyway, that's why I talk about it. You can disagree with me all you want. This podcast is not meant to, you know... You know, you have to fully agree with what I say. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, this is still scary. Yes, it, it looks like a vaccine's heading, but it's it's awful quick for a vaccine. I mean, think about it. It takes it takes a long time, and now, uh, I don't know. Until the scientists say get the vaccine, you know, that's what I'm going with. So you know what? Hats off for the quick response. The other counties in Miami Valley, uh, Butler, Clinton, Green, Clark, Champaign, Logan, Auglaise, Mercer, Shelby, Dirk, Miami, and my home county of Preble, they're at a level three, which isn't great, but at the same time, they're not apparently reaching level four. A lot of those counties are more rural, like there's a lot of farmland, especially Preble and Dark, and those counties like that. Montgomery County is in level four. Think about it. Dayton and the suburbs, you have a lot of people compacted in pretty much pretty much eastern Montgomery County. Think about that. Uh, Warren County, yeah, there's a lot of uh, big cities there. Mason, uh, Lebanon, uh, Springboro, of course, which if Warren goes to level four, I don't know what that would do with the Springboro Panthers. Apparently, Springboro is still playing. And actually, we'll talk about that next. Uh, Butler County, Oxford. So, you know, those teams should still be playing. It, it It's a scary time, folks. And I, I hate I hate it because of the fact that my sense of normalcy is off the rails. But I'm hoping that something changes for the better soon. This is from Cincinnati.com. Jackie uh, Borchard uh, with the writing of the article. It's free for the community because it's about the coronavirus. So if you want to go and read it, there you go. So yeah, I'm just looking at the map. I mean, your lowest level reached by any of the counties is level two. I'm not very familiar with Wyandotte. I'm not technically sure where, well, Athens County, that has to be Ohio U, right? They're at level three. But a lot of the southeast Ohio areas are level two. And I, I again, I think it's rural. But it doesn't explain why the other rural uh, counties around here are level three. So, 
Again, do your own research. I'm not here to brainwash, brainwash, in quotes, you. I'm just here to tell you that something's happening and, you know, you should be concerned. That's all I'm saying. Hey, how about a better topic to <laughs> mention? Let's talk about hockey. Now, the tournament I was supposed to be at, the uh, DePaulo tournament at Talo- well, Miami University's Goggin Ice Center, hosted by the Talawanda Brave, well, that got canceled. So now Springboro is taking on the Miami Junior Red Hawks, which, yeah, the first game is supposed to be today at 11.30. However, uh, TKDS Sports was unable to get a crew down there, so we'll have tomorrow's game for you. And it's $9.99 for a single game, or if you want to tune in for the whole season, it's $99.99, and I think that gives you uh, pretty much uh, almost everything on the uh, channel. So, And if you wonder why it's $9.99, not free, well, uh, let me tell you. There's a crew doing this. It's 4K cameras. And at South Metro, we have better camera angles. So already, yeah, there's mass improvements. There's graphics. The only thing that hasn't changed is me. And let's face it, I become crazy and bitter over the years. <laughs> Sorry for the Futurama reference, but yeah. <laughs> so what is happening in high school hockey? Well, the Columbus tournaments are still happening. And we'll talk about this next time. I'll write... I'll write uh, about the Frozen Creek, Springboro's games, and the local teams battling there. What's tough for me this year is the fact that um, not every team tweets anymore, and that kind of stinks because that's how I, you know, follow along. I mean, there's some teams that are great about it: uh, Creek Hockey, uh, Comet Ice Hockey, that's the Mason Comets, uh, Springboro Hockey. Well, then again, I'm broadcasting all the Springboro games, so, you know. But we share those type of things. When I can't broadcast Springboro hockey, that's what I follow, SHS Borough Hockey. But let's talk about the beginning of Frozen Creek. Normally, this is at Kettering Ice Arena, which is the home of the Beaver Creek ice hockey team. Not this year. It's at the Springfield NTPRD Chiller. I wish it just be called the Springfield Chiller, because... I mean, if you don't know, it's National Trail Parks and Recreation Department, which I think is based in Clark County. If you don't know that, then you're like, what's nippered? What's nippered? Um, but yeah, it's the Springfield Chiller. Uh, there's more seats in the bleachers, so therefore they can get a little bit more in. I think the limit is 10 up in the mezzanine, which is the second-story mezzanine. You're protected by glass. You can't really hear too much out there, but... Hey, you stay warm. It's a nice facility. It's a single sheet of ice. It's nice. It's fairly new. I think it's five years, six years now, which is weird to think. But anyways, five teams are participating. You have four local teams. The Beaver Creek Beavers are the hosts. You have the Dayton Stealth. I think it's the JV team. That's what it was in years past. You have the Mason Comets, the Troy Trojans. And you have Lake which I'm not entirely sure where Lake is. But that's your Frozen Creek schedule. The Troy Trojans fell to the Beaver Creek Beavers 9-0, and the Dayton Stealth pick up a 1-0 win against the Mason Comets. That's the tweets I followed along with 
last night. Actually, this morning. Because I fell asleep pretty early last night. So, that's your results thus far. It goes on a point system to determine when you play Sunday. The better, the more points you get, the better position you are. With five teams, you wonder how that's going to work. Well, I think they're going to auto-reward third place. I think that's what I read as we're looking along. So far, Mason and Troy 0-1, and, and Beaver Creek and Dayton 1-0. Lake yet to play. Actually, they're playing right now against the Dayton Stealth. So, again, CreekHockey.com, if you want to go out and see it, keep in mind... You're not allowed to dwaddle in the lobby, and there's a pretty big limit of people that can come into the rink. Again, it should be going to Kettering once things are back to normal, but that's why it's in Springfield, in case you cared. But, yeah, it's nice to see. Oh, by the way, for Beaver Creek, Thomas Bush, five goals in the 9 nothing win against Troy. Five. You know, I was questioning how Beaver Creek would fare without their starting uh, center and Cole Gutterman and just how everything would shift. Uh, that's the thing about well, high school and college sports. Where, well, high school, if you're in the area or you know you go to that school, you know, you're know you there, whereas college you recruit from all over the country or all over the world sometimes. You know, that's the thing about you know college and high school sports. Once you graduate, that's kind of it. There's no, like, coming back, you know, if you're injured your senior year, there's no, like, hey, I'm going to high school for fifth-year college there is, you know, if the NCAA agrees to it. But at the same time, you know, my podcast helpers are so cute sometimes. Levi's over here. That's uh, my male panther cat. He's on his back just playing and batting around a ball right near my laptop. Luckily, Audacity's not up at the moment, so I can't stop the recording. I hope it's like double-check that. And Cassie, the uh, oldest podcast helper, you might remember last year when I was still using my blue snowball USB mic, she uh, kept clawing at the uh, the uh, mic, uh, the pop filter. And, uh, yeah, that was fun. But, yeah, they're being cute over there. Just in case you can use a nugget of, uh, you know, cuteness. They are cute cats. So, my main way of checking on schools are the two lists created by the leagues. The Capital Hockey Conference has one for the varsity and the JV squads. And there's the Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League one. The CHC varsity list that I follow, a lot more updates. So, I can tell you there were the Mola Crusaders. They tied with... The Padua Franciscan Bruins, 2-2 last night. And Muller will have an evening tilt this Saturday against University School. The Olentangy Berlin JV squad, they took down the Westerville Warcats 6-4. Now, if you know your Columbus schools, Westerville is not one school. It is Westerville North, Central, and South. Well, none of those three teams have high school hockey, so it's... It's like the Dayton Stealth. It's for kids that don't have a high school hockey team. You know, you can go play with a Stealth. Now, normally, how it's supposed to be, if your school does have ice hockey, you can't play for the club. You have to play for your high school. I think there's ways to get around that, but don't ask me. I just broadcast the sport. Uh, 
Thomas Worthington. You might know them for starting the fashion of the reverse retro Montreal Canadiens jerseys. You know, they've had the blue ones. I think they have new jerseys this year, which are slightly different, but they kept the blue, which is very sharp. Looks like they are taking on the North Kentucky Norse, and they fell last night to our good friend uh, Jamie Antello's Norseman squad 1-0, which is a team I like to follow as well. Yes, they're across the river, but they do get Cincinnati kids too, so, you know... And they're part of the Ohio High School Hockey Rankings on MyHockeyRankings.com. So Thomas Worthington gets Hilliard, which is another club team. Again, now the Hilliard High Schools have hockey, so there's the Hilliard Club. And Westville, I already mentioned as well. So let's look at the other list, the Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League list. And it looks like... Mason just shared 17 minutes ago about a live stream. I might be watching that. They are broadcasting. The Beaver Creek Beavers are broadcasting that. But the last time I was at the Springfield Chiller, we couldn't broadcast live because of the fact the internet speed was so low. I uh, dropped my jaw on the table. So we had to upload them later as an archive, which was fine, except that took <laughs> that took about 20 hours to get all the games up. We had like nine so, there you go. There's some updates on local ice hockey, which already, <laughs> wow, that first weekend. Luckily, we did get all three home games in. That's me knocking on wood. However, two of the three opponents changed. So, the original schedule was Alter was supposed to play on the 20th. St. X was supposed to come in as a non-conference foe on the 21st. And Finley on the 22nd. Finley still came in, but instead of Alter, it was the Dayton Stealth Varsity Squad. And Moeller came in in place of St. X. If you're wondering why Springboro and Moeller and St. X were allowed to play that game, well, to back it up a little bit, the Capital Hockey Conference said no league games until we turn into December. And there's some Columbus schools that have said no sports until mid-December, uh, Upper Arlington being one of them. So you're allowed to play your conference foes more than once. But when you do that, one of them counts in the conference record, the other one doesn't. Guess which one didn't? Oh yeah, Springboro Muller. So the Panthers, 0-3 to start off the year. They're at Goggin Ice Arena today, this morning and tomorrow afternoon against the Miami Junior Redhawks varsity squad. The Panthers fell 8-0 to the Dayton Stealth. I mean, that varsity team, they're going to give the Ohio Scholastic Hockey League, which is a league full of club teams. Again, if you don't have ice hockey at your school, you can play for a club. And I think the Stealth will give those other teams fits. Westerville, Hilliard, one of them. Hilliard is probably the top team to target because last year they won the OHSL varsity side. I think the stuff will give them fits. I mean, very quick team, great depth on the bench, great goaltending. I mean, yeah, stuff played very well. And they shut out Springboro at home 8 nothing. Moeller gives Springboro an 8 to 2 loss. It was 5 to 2 at one point in the third quarter. Uh, <laughs> 
I switched on my basketball mode. Sorry, third period. The Panthers made it a 5-2 game. But then the Crusaders scored three more to end the contest. And Finley hands Springboro a 6-2 loss. So in the regular season, the Panthers have given up 22 goals and scored four. Uh, I think the Panthers will turn it around. I mean, you know, get some, get some of that preseason rust off and prepare for the Junior Redhawks. Again, that'll be the same foe for the Panthers today, the 28th, and tomorrow, the 29th. And again, you can watch the 29th game on the Home of Ice Hockey, uh, TKDS Sports. Again, $9.99 for a single game, $99.99 for a season package. The Panthers will be back home on the 4th against Walsh Jesuits. And then on Saturday, December 5th, that's supposed to be the Hockey for Cause game. But since Centerville isn't fielding a team this year, not sure if that's still going on. Hopefully it is, but... We'll see. And then the Panthers will apparently take on Dublin Jerome on the road Friday, December the 11th. That does fit the timeline of, you know, it's after the turn of the month, so you can have conference games. But that's going to be the first conference game. And Dublin Jerome, if you don't know ice hockey, yeah, they're normally the top of the Columbus Mountain. And two years ago, they were playing for a state title against St. Ignatius. And St. Ignatius won, what was it, their fifth straight? I think. And then New Albany will come in Saturday, December 12th. That'll be a tough game. And New Albany made history. They made it to the Frozen Four last year. First time ever in school history. Only to have the coronavirus wipe all that opportunity away. So, there you go. Just looking down. Ooh, Sycamore's coming in on the second. I thought that was supposed to be Dublin uh, Sciota, but maybe that's changed. I don't know. Yeah, uh, something that I've noticed is the fact that uh, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of changes this year, and I <laughs> it's going to be tough to stay on top. Luckily, you know, I'm able to do that. I get help from the Springboro family, luckily. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a weird year for winter sports. And hopefully we do have a season about the same level of success as fall. Hopefully even better. It's going to be tougher because, you know, in indoor, you have the air circulating around the vents. And if COVID's in the air, that's you know, kind of tough to avoid. It's going to be interesting. Now, JT Zabo, for the mailbag episode next week, asked if he thinks we will get winter sports played. I'm not going to answer that until that episode, but uh, hopefully. Hopefully. And I think that'll do it for episode 193 of the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. Uh, something to wrap up the episode because I felt like it was pretty pretty negative, you know, with Burroughs injury and, you know, coronavirus and everything like that. I'm thankful for you, the listener. I really am, and I th I'm thankful that you spread the word of this podcast because I think it's the best way to catch your local sports in town, you know, unless you like the Buckeyes or that school in Columbus. Sorry. That school in Columbus, that team in Cleveland, well, the Cleveland Browns, or you like bashing on the Bengals. I mean, that's what you get on Dayton Radio anymore, you know, 
Woo. So, yeah, I honestly think this is the best way to catch local sports in the area. Although Cincinnati Sports Radio, I think, is a lot better, and I enjoy listening to it when I'm in the area. I thank you for listening to this podcast. It does mean a lot to me. If you can support the podcast, that's great. Go to Redbubble or Public. Links are at sindaypod.com. And go shop there. I'm sure there's Black Friday specials, what have you. I, I didn't get around sharing them. And just, you know, with the very low numbers that I do, I just didn't care sharing them. So there you go. Yeah, recently my podcast has taken a huge hit in listenership, which, uh, I'm not going to lie, that makes me sad. Just because of the fact that it makes me feel like I'm not doing a good job on this podcast. And it makes me feel like, you know, people don't want to listen to it. And I haven't thought about quitting the podcast yet. I'm still doing it. But at the same time, it, it's still kind of disheartening to see the numbers go down. There are several days where zero listens have been accounted for. I don't mind sharing this. Uh, I'm sure, you know, the others that do work in radio are probably laughing at my laughing at me for admitting all this, but at the same time, you know, again, I think put me up against state and radio and I'll win because, you know, I have the knowledge of the local sports. I actually talk about local sports and I don't, you know, bash, you know, teams because, Oh, it's funny. Lol. But there you go. So thank you for listening. Thank you for letting me go on my soapbox for a minute or two. I am thankful for you, the listener, and I'm thankful that we're able to have these conversations. And you listen weekly. And, yeah, I'm thankful for broadcasting ice hockey. I'm thankful that TKDS Sports kept me on and looking to grow the platform and the growth of ice hockey in Dayton. I'm thankful for... All of you that follow me on social media, whether it be Sunday Pod for the podcast or the Lee W. Mallon for, you know, myself. I'm thankful for all the guests I've had. I'm thankful for the friendships that I have. And I'm thankful for my fiance, who I don't deserve her. You know, full stop. She's amazing. She doesn't listen to my podcast. She's not a sports fan. So that's okay, though. I tell her that's fine. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful. I am thankful. I, I didn't share it on social media, but I've taken a little little bit of a break. I feel like most of my tweets have been just retweets of others, but eh, just too much drama anymore, and I, I hate it. But I'm thankful. So thank you. I'm thankful for all my opportunities. I'm thankful for all the folks that do listen to this podcast. I'm thankful for my family. My friends, my two podcast helpers who happen to be cats, and now I don't know what they're doing, but those are cats. And I'm thankful for you, the listener. So hopefully we get to talk again next week for the Malin's Mailbag episode. Again, send in more questions. I have a few, but I like to make it a, a regular occurrence where we have just Malin's Mailbag episodes to throw into the mix. And hopefully we'll get around to that. But thank you to everyone that has sent in questions. They'll be answered for episode 194. At least that's what the plan is now. And yeah, that closes out episode 193. So thanks for listening to the local Sunday Sports Podcast. 
And this is Lee W. Mallon signing off on episode 193. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. Be sure and bookmark SindayPod.com, the official website of the local Sunday Sports Podcast. From there, you can find your favorite way of listening to future episodes on platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Pandora, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and more. You can also find the Redbubble and Tee Public shops there too, where all podcast merchandise purchases go to help the podcaster. Follow on social media at Pod and the Lead W Mowen on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This closing theme was created with the Splash app. This is Lee W. Mowen saying thank you again for listening, and we'll talk more local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports next time. <laughs>